Welcome to Energy Matters, where we explore alternative health in the Pioneer Valley. I'm your host, Caroline Rutterman, and I'm a Reiki professional and intuitive in Northampton, Massachusetts. For the past nine years, I've been teaching people how to use their intuition and helping them reduce stress and anxiety. Together, we'll talk with other practitioners and learn how they bring health and healing to the Pioneer Valley. Let's do this. Hey, welcome, welcome, everyone. You are listening to Energy Matters, and I'm your host, Caroline Rutterman. We have a great show for you today. We are here with Priya Zander Fox, who is an energy healer and a holistic counselor. So welcome, Priya. Thank you, Caroline. I'm so excited to be here with you today. I'm very grateful that you are here as well. Um, so so welcome to the show. And um, can you tell us who you are and, and what you do in the Pioneer Valley? Sure. That's a, a, a good intro to very long subject matter, but for sake of introductions, I, I will shorten it down. Essentially, I'm an energy healer and a holistic counselor and also a social worker here in the Pioneer Valley for the past 25 years. Wow. So, and, and you're the, you said that the social work was a, a later in life uh, turning, turning, changing career. Absolutely. I, I look at it more as an addition rather than a change of career. It's something that's always mattered a lot to me. I became uh, aware at a very young age about social injustices, and um, it's always deeply bothered me, actually, that in my own healing practice, which is um, mainly out-of-pocket expense, that that meant that only a certain segment of the population here could come to see me. And so in order to start to shift that, I decided uh, to go back and finish my degree, which I started at a, a traditional college age, uh, you know, when I was a teenager in art history, and then found out about the healing field and left college midstream. So it's always been my dream to go back to school and living in the Pioneer Valley all this time with all the colleges around, I knew one day I would get there. It took me to being in my 50s, but I have arrived. <laughs> There's no timeline on these things, you know? It's got to be when it's right. I agree. So can you tell people what what is social work? Because I feel like it's a very... Um, the word itself sounds a little bit vague and there's a lot of different aspects to it, but can you just kind of give people a, a brief description about what is social work and also uh, sure. what what aspect you're, you're kind of feeling like you're leaning towards within that work? Absolutely. So social work is a profession with tenants and guidelines. We are uh, ruled by what's known as the code of ethics and they're very basic guidelines to follow. And, and the, the, um, main uh, difference between social work and, let's say, a psychology practice has to do around social justice. There's a huge component around social justice and the inequities that are present in our society today. So um, much like uh, a nurse, there are many different avenues one could go down. You could be a school nurse, a travel nurse, you can work in the ER. The same is true with social work. Um, it's always strength-based. We're always looking at what uh, is already working for a client, but there are many different um avenues one can express oneself as a social worker from a clinician, which is 
totally different than, you know, you might be working uh, as a hospice worker in a hospital or in a nursing home, um, a halfway house, et cetera. That's great. And what aspect of, of social work do you, are you leaning towards or are you hoping to work in? Sure. Good question. So I am hoping to uh, do clinical social work. Um, I have worked in the past with the homeless population here and um, in, in here being in the Pioneer Valley, mo- more specifically um, in Amherst. And I enjoyed that work. Um, it's tremendous work. And there are some amazing people um, who get bypassed all the time just uh you know, just because they are without a home. Um, so I, I do hope to work with more vulnerable populations um, doing clinical work. And currently I'm a student, I'm finishing up my last year at Westfield State University. And um, I've been fortunate enough to be named a, uh, a fellow. There's a fellowship that's happening there uh, over a four-year period that's working with um, more marginalized, vulnerable populations in integrative behavioral health care, which is really exciting, just right up my alley, looking at the integration of body, mind, and spirit. So I, I want to jump back to when you mentioned that you dropped out of college when you were sure. in your teens to start jumping into to energy work, into healing work. Absolutely. What happened? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, here's what happened, Caroline. (laughs) I was, uh, I completed two years of college at SUNY Purchase, where I was an art history major and a photography minor. And I absolutely loved the field of art history and really use my training to this day, because looking at a painting is, uh, is no different than sitting with somebody and really understanding the different components and parts and expressions that go into a being, you know, we're all so complex. So um, what happened was, well, I'll have to jump back a little bit. So when I was uh, a younger girl, um, my, I have a sister who passed away at an early age. And it, for me, it was like an explosion of uh, into consciousness, into consciousness and esoteric matter and really, you know, looking at things that I had never really thought about before because I hadn't really experienced death so up close and personal. So I started asking questions like, well, you know, where did my sister go? What happens when we die? What happens, you know, to the, that consciousness or that like alive part of us? And I did a lot of early uh, reading with some of the, you know, great foundational authors like Edgar Casey and Jane Roberts and just really exploring that side of consciousness. So this, this is all like taking place when I'm about 11 and 12 years old. And the more I read, the more I'm totally enamored and want to know more and more. So I'm in school uh, for art history and um, I go into Manhattan and I have my first astrological reading and I feel like, you know, an explosion is happening inside. 
And I don't know it at that point, but I am really looking to be in the healing field. Um, of course, you know, this is going back into the early 80s and it, things were, you know, beginning to percolate more, but it's nothing like it is today. So um, when I was in college and I'm completing my sophomore year and I'm more and more enamored and have experienced certain um, modalities and am looking, you know, I, I, I feel the pull. I just, I feel the call. I hear it. And um the, the, there's a schism though inside of me because I come from a very mainstream background. Um, and you know, uh, it's like nobody has ever mentioned the word healer to me. Um, and I have, I guess I would call it at this point, like a mini nervous breakdown at that point. Um, and I stopped school because I'm, so upset actually by certain things that are going on inside of me and that's the point where I stopped and did more personal work and understood that this then is also my calling not only am I doing the work for myself but this ultimately will be the backdrop that I'll be able to utilize to help other people and hold space for other people to come through um, you know certain challenges that they're facing. So that's a long answer. No, but there yeah. <laughs> no, when you talk about, you know, coming from a very traditional background, was that just, you know, like straight religion? You know, they. I know you said no one ever mentioned the word healer, but what, what were some of the ideas that you were brought up with, um, whether they were contrasted or just omitted or just not part of the conversation? Um, I guess, yeah, like what is, what is that kind of traditional world that you were brought up with that you um, – Sure. Well, I was brought up in a Jewish family. Um, my parents honestly weren't all that religious um, in terms of their own beliefs. Actually, no, I will say my mother was more religious than my father, um, but I never felt their heart in it in the way of practicing, like actually being a practicing Jew. But I was brought up religiously. I went through Hebrew school and I was bat mitzvah and we, you know, we celebrated the holidays. And at this point, even when I was raising my own daughter, who's a, you know, an, a grown adult woman, um, I always considered myself a cultural Jew, you know, in terms of celebrating holidays, etc. Um, but I felt very isolated in, even though I was interested in Judaism, when I was a young girl, because I'm interested in all things spiritual, really. Um, but I was like a solo practitioner in my family, just in terms of, you know, other family members weren't really engaged. It was kind of like I was being sent off to temple to be a good girl <laughs> and a good citizen, like that we're doing the right thing. Um, you know, meanwhile, I had other experiences in my life that um, I'm so grateful for that open doors to show me that there were other ways, you know, there were other religions, other, I got to partake. I had, um, when we were growing up or when I was growing up, um, I had, uh, a, there, we had a, like a nanny of sorts who was Baptist and she used to take me in on her days off. We were very close with one another. Her name is Maddie. And uh, Maddie used to take me into the Baptist church in Harlem that she used to go to in New York City. 
And, you know, I was just, this is when I was like, you know, four and five and um, kind of at this tender age. And, you know, I just used to sit there in complete awe in terms of that spiritual expression, which was so rich. It's like, I'm a, in terms of my own being and my healing work, I'm a very visceral person. So I feel things in my body very intensely and I could just feel that vibration pour through. And it was a very different experience for me sitting in temple, which felt more tight to me. So, um, so I don't know if I answered your question. You did. Absolutely. <laughs> and and when you talk about feeling things on a very visceral level, really ex- like deeply experiencing that, have you ever, and you know, I, I'll tell you people, you know, children especially have this just innate quality. We're born with it. And then mm-hmm. at some point we often disconnect from it. Did you oh. ever feel like you disconnected from that very like visceral or or had to shut it down for any reason? No, because actually I would say that in terms of my own growth and just the inner psychology of my family, um, I utilize that uh, as like a protection almost for myself. So that's always been a very strong ally, you know, both in a protective um you know, in a protective way, but in a celebratory way, because there's so much depth to that and enjoyment for me um, in really, you know, what whatever it is that I'm feeling in my body. Like there are certain things I love in life. I love to swim. I love to sing kirtan. So when I'm in and I'm really feeling it, there's a way that it just... Um, you know, it's it's just yummy. <laughs> For lack of a better word, it's a yummy experience. I love that. I love that reframing because I, I feel like often we think of protection as building up the walls or that's sort of how we're taught. So, yeah. I, and especially when you're really sensitive, um, I, I love that you're using that and embracing it as your protection, as your kind of uh, guidance in a totally different way. Absolutely. Of course, it took a while to get there. <laughs> I had to work out certain levels of pain before I I was able to arrive at the beauty and the gifts of all of it. Yeah. Um, And and Priya, what what is holistic counseling? What is this this other aspect of the work that you're doing? Well, that's a good question, Caroline. Thank you for asking me. It's it's kind of a catch-all phrase, if you will, just because sometimes I find it really hard to express what it is um, that's occurring. And what uh, in a session and what people identify and what they know, because when people hear therapy, um, they think one thing, uh, holistic ads, or, or when the, you hear counseling, holistic ads to me, just another dimension of the interconnectedness of all of us. And by all of us, I mean our physicality, our emotionality, our psychology, and our spirit or our soul connection, which I feel is uh, vital. And, you know, if you have more holistic training um, in the uh, psychological field, which, you know, there is more holistic training available, uh, that might be included in your whole uh, toolkit, so to speak. But, you know, there's also training out there that really looks in a more narrow framework 
And so holistic to me is just my way of wanting to convey to people that I'm really, when I sit with clients and I really take somebody in, I am taking them in on every level I have available to me at that moment. And as someone who is very, very sensitive and feels, you know, things on a visceral level, like you mentioned, how how are you able to sit with somebody who is dealing with a lot of um, heaviness, anxiety, depression, all the kind of range of emotions that we need counseling and that extra kind of professional help for um, as somebody who is, is sitting and, and listening and listening on all levels of yourself. Um, mm-hmm. How do you stay balanced in that, in those spaces? You ask wonderful questions. Caroline. That's what I'm here to do. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's really important. There are many things that one can do to help balance and ground oneself. Um, as a practitioner, or even just as a person, you know, you might be going into a a heavy situation, let's say a loved one is in the emergency room or the ICU, you know, and you walk through, I I remember I went through this um, before my father passed away, he was in the ICU for 28 days. Wow! Every time I walked in that hospital, I could feel the heaviness because of course, many people had their dear ones, their loved ones, and they're hanging on to life or not. And there was so much emotionality. So of course, there are situations, let's say like that, that are are very heavy and, um, you know, uh, harder maybe to um, stay balanced or to integrate or to know how to protect oneself. But there, there are many things... Um, you know, many small exercises really um, that one could do to help keep the balance just in the same way. Like let's say you're going to the gym and you're going to lift heavy weights. There are ways to position your body so you don't throw your back out. Um, I just feel like these things are taught in smaller circles, in healing circles, in healing schools or in different workshops um, not necessarily in the mainstream. And honestly, I think it would, there, there are some wonderful, simple tools people could learn to do, uh, you know, if they were included, let's say in a classroom at a very young age, um, especially, you know, with people who are more sensitive than other people. I mean, we're all sensitive to a certain level and some people are, just have it in a, a I guess a bigger portion. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so Priya, can you tell us a little bit about how you fold in the energy healing work with the holistic counseling? What are, what do sessions look like when you, do you fold them in or are they separate or how does that work? Uh, completely folded in and it depends. Um, I tailor each session to my individual clients. So it really depends, you know, I might have somebody who, um, let's say is going through chemotherapy and we do very little talk actually, um, and more table work, uh, in terms of working on their energy field and some repair and restoration from, um, you know, the, the more, um, you know, negative effects, uh, of the chemotherapy. Um, I may have somebody who comes and needs to talk, needs to tell their story and is looking for some help in sorting through some 
challenges that they're having. Um, you know, sometimes people really just need to be heard again when that happens. I'm not just listening to their head from my head. I am using my whole body is uh, a sensing object, a sensing being. It's a sensorium where I am really taking, able to take in and also to track what's going on in their body. So it might be that somebody's starting to talk and I notice whenever they hit um, a certain subject or, or a, a certain person they're talking about or an issue they're talking about, I can actually watch how the energy is flowing in their body and I may stop them. Um, I may ask them to, you know, stop the story for a moment that we come back to, but just to notice, to really slow down what happens um, very quickly. You know, we might have an emotion and it happens really fast. We may stop breathing and it happens very quickly. But if I'm sitting on the other side and, you know, this is partially my um, innate sensitivity, but I've also had a lot of training. And so I'm watching and listening um, and we might work in that place and, you know, I might ask them to stop and uh, explore that in a number of different ways, you know, together. Um, so in that way, that's, you know, one of my examples of how it really is folded in and combined because it's not as if we talk, 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 and then, okay, come lay on the table, which I do. If you're fully clothed. It's just kind of like a laying on of hands, really. Um, the energy work is happening from the moment the person walks into my office or now uh, on the phone since uh, we're in these times of quarantine. Um, and sometimes even so, before, yeah. you know, even oh. before the session, sometimes that stuff starts coming up and starts churning. Absolutely. I find once, um, you know, once somebody makes a commitment to themselves, it, it, it starts the process. I remember this when I was in the Barbara Brennan School of Healing. You know, the, the, the minute I would sign up, um, you had to sign up for each year. It's a four-year program, but each year was treated individually. And, you know, that would just set it all in motion. And even, you know, maybe a week or two before the week-long class would happen, everything would just, you know, start to perk, start to loosen up. So, um, that's you know, such a, that's I, such a great I, way of describing the healing process. Right? <laughs> Sometimes it's a little grittier than that, but you're like, it's loosening. You're like, yes, it is. That's a great way to describe it. <laughs> Any of your listeners who uh, have an astrological leaning, I have a lot of Libra in my chart, so I tend to make things lovely sometimes in my speech. <laughs> That's great. We need we need all of that. We need all of that. <laughs> um, but I so I see it as very integrated, and I'm I'm very facile in working with people, whether it's uh, you know quietly, silently on the table, or whether it's talking. And I do, um, you know, I. I attract all different people, but there's always some mix, even if it's a five or 10 minute check-in before somebody lays on the table. Um, you know, there, there's usually some mix between uh, talking and um, laying down and receiving. Can you, can you walk us through the process of listening with all of you and what that means to watch and listen? Um, can you describe the kind of uh, maybe like, smaller details that you experience when you're when you're doing that work because yes. that that I know it's a it's a there's a, kind of a lot going on in its simplicity but um can you can you walk us through that yes absolutely so i'm hearing right i'm listening and i'm 
letting um, the flavor. It's like it's like when you eat really amazing food and you just let it linger. You know, you're not rushing through a meal. It's not like you're wolfing something down. You're just like really like letting it roll in your mouth a little. So I'm hearing in that way. I'm really listening and taking in what somebody's saying. And, and, and all of this is going on simultaneously for me. I am then also feeling in my body, like, um, you know, sometimes I could be talking to a client and um, from out of nowhere, I feel like, oh my goodness, am I going to be able to keep my eyes open? I feel so tired. Like if I don't get a cup of coffee immediately, I'm, I'm scared. I'm just going to nod off on this person. And I will, you know, take that moment and really uh, take that in. It's like a check-in with myself because my body often is the case. I mean, unless I really had a poor night's sleep. Um, and if that were the case, I would have had the coffee before I walked into the session. I am taking on in my own energy field and ultimately in my body, something that they may not be able to stay awake to something that's very heavy in them. Potentially, um, it could be that they are just really tired. So I might have that direct experience in my own body. And again, I consider my body as part of my vehicle, right? It's not just like what I'm thinking in my mind. Um, I might also hear other words. It's not so much of an external hearing, but it's a more internal hearing for me, although people can hear external messages, uh, healers or channelers or mediums. Um, but I hear, I can hear certain messages and um, sometimes the, these messages come from other spiritual realms, guides, other um, energies, so to speak. And, and sometimes, um, you know, sometimes I don't know where it comes from, but I have learned that, uh, <laughs> in the very beginning, I remember one of my first professional clients, I kept getting this message. I don't remember what the message is at this point. It was too long ago, but I kept getting this message and I remember having a judgment about it. And I just thought, I don't want to say that. Like, I'm not going to say that. And I was like pretty belligerent about it. And it kind of kept coming. And I remember I was sweating. I was sweating so hard during this session. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I was just giving it my all. And, you know, I, and, and finally, you know, what I came to realize over time, and I finally did realize it in that session, it, are these knowings aren't going to go away. Um, it doesn't matter if I feel weird saying it. Usually it has a connection or has a deeper meaning or winds up being meaningful to somebody in some way. And that, you know, I check in with people and I just ask them, um, you know, I, I share I share, I'm very transparent um, in that way in my work. And I share with clients and I ask them, does this ring a bell for you? You know, I consider each client, nobody is going to know you the way you know yourself. I just have training that helps me um, become a, a, a good guide. Um, and 
uh, I can see things that maybe when you're in the midst of something is hard to see the bigger picture. Same is true for me. I mean, all human beings, I have people I go to when I'm, you know, working as I'm working through things. Um, so I, um, I just lost my train of thought. It's <laughs> okay. No, it, it's it's a good reminder of that kind of early intuitive training when messages come through and they keep repeating and they keep repeating. Oh, and, yes. you know, we start having those like, oh my gosh, I do not want to say this out loud. I'm going to, yeah. all the self-judgment that comes along with it. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a really good reminder. It's like, if those messages are coming through, just say it out loud. Be like, I don't know if this has any meaning to you, but, um, you know, and, and the more we trust those little kind of things, the stronger they'll get. And that's, that's how we learn. Absolutely. And, um, those, uh, those messages that are, are coming through, you know, we're, we're any of us in the helping profession, we're helping to guide people. You know, I, I don't, I'm not the ultimate authority on you, but I can help guide and I can offer certain things. Um, and, um, you know, that there's a, 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 a preciousness, I don't mean in a dainty way, but there is an exquisite beingness in being in conversation with somebody like that in the exploration, uh, rather than coming to, you know, an authority who is going to show you the road. That's a, that's a very different type of session. And I know that you in 1994 were, um, the, you were in part of the Barbara Brennan School of Healing, um, so I, I'd love to I'd love to hear more about uh, that school because it's it's definitely very internationally famous. And um, having having studied there in the 1990s, that was kind of when it was really really blossoming. So I'd love to hear about some of your experiences um, in that school. It was thank you. It was. Um pioneering back then and fabulous. I was there in the beginning stages, um, not part of the first graduating class, but but close up there. And in fact, uh, I remember taking the intro, which was something that one, you know, needed to take if you wanted to go to the four-year healing school. And that was held in a uh, community center out in Bridgehampton, New York. <laughs> so she came a very long way to having multiple sites of, you know, the school internationally with hundreds and, you know, hundreds of students at a time. Um, Barbara Brennan's work is very pivotal pivotal to me and my work. I really um, consider it the backbone of the work I do. It's a phenomenal training. It uh, is the, per well, for me, it was the perfect meld between energy work, um, healing, and psychological understanding. And it was a very balanced curriculum in that way. Of course, the whole way through, one needed to be in therapy and working with the healer themselves to do all that um, discovery work. Uh, you can't you can't take somebody where you can't go yeah. <laughs> yourself. So um, the way that I got to the school, uh, as happens with many things in life, where it just gets presented at the right time. Um, I had been living in Hoboken, New Jersey at the time, and I was part of a women's group in Manhattan. And <clears throat> I had gotten very ill with a case of scarlet fever. 
and I, um, there were no other known cases at the time. And um, unfortunately, many of the doctors that I went to had no idea what I had. They thought I had toxic shock syndrome and a whole bunch of other things. Meanwhile, I'm getting weaker and weaker and, you know, more and more sick. And um, one of the women in the group, uh, I um, was an enrolled student in, in the school. I didn't know that at the time. I didn't know anything about energy work or Barbara Brennan. Long story short, after I blew through a lot of romantic videos and I was like finally diagnosed, um, getting better, but I also had Bell's palsy. I, I contracted right after scarlet fever. So I was out of commission really for a while. And I was asking women in the group if they had any book recommendations. And um, this uh, friend at the time who I've lost touch with, Sylvia Moss, I'll forever be indebted to Sylvia, put Barbara Brennan's book in my hand. I opened it. I read the intro paragraph and I just started wailing. I was crying, just crying. And, you know, I, I read some of the book and I went back to her and said, you know, when, how, you know, who is this and how do you know her? And, you know, came to realize that, uh, find out that she indeed runs a, a whole four-year school. And yes, I too could participate and go there and the rest is history. And the school was very, um, very life-altering, very magical, um, and very practical in a lot of ways. What I loved about Barbara is she was a scientist for NASA. She is not woo-woo energy healer. She is grounded energy healer. Uh, there were a lot of deep learnings there. And um, I am so fortunate um, as I've had other wonderful, great teachers um, along with Barbara, uh, such as Jason Shulman, who uh, runs Society of Souls, uh, Diana Mintz Chen, who's a wonderful channeler in Manhattan. Um, but with Barbara, we were, my classmates and I were able to be really up close and personal. She actually did a lot of the teaching herself and um, just, you know, we were privy to learning just some amazing, amazing things, you know, directly from the source. Um, conversely, one of the things that was very difficult is that Barbara, her, the way that she was able to sense and read people was visually. So she actually saw things. And, you know, coming into the school, I'm in my late 20s. I think I was like a little naive in a way of thinking, oh, well, like I too will learn how to open my vision. And that just isn't who I am. So there was a lot of... Um, you know, needing to kind of come back down into myself and understand myself at a really deep level and honor and love that self that I am, you know, to be able to celebrate the gifts I have instead of feeling, you know, oh, I'm not doing it right or I'm, I'm not enough. Um, so, of course, the school is a wonderful mirror just to meet all the places, you know, internally where there might be... Um, any, you know, uh, lack of self-love, any blocks or obstacles to work through. It was a wonderful environment. And there was a lot of deep transformation that went on in my own life during that time. Not all of it was easy. I got divorced during that time as well. Um, and some of it was, you know, fabulous. And how, how do you fit the, the Barbara Brennan work into your, into your everyday life now? Because you mentioned that it's, it's very practical in a lot of ways, alongside of being very magical. 
Yes. Um, well, I would say at this point, so, you know, there, there I was. So I started the school, let's see, 92, 93, 94, like in 1992. So that, that was, you know, quite some time ago um, in my life. And here so many years later, as I'm, uh, you know, looking at turning 59 in the fall, there is just a way that it has really become incorporated into me. I don't think about it anymore. It's just the way that I am. Um, maybe people will be able to relate to that. I was thinking about this in the pool the other day. I'm a big swimmer. I've loved to swim. I've learned how to swim, you know, at a young age at four. I used to teach swimming in Manhattan. It's just um, a source of incredible joy to me. And because I've been doing it so many years and I have that muscle memory, you know, I don't think about my stroke when I do it. I just, you know, unless, unless I think, oh, you know what, I'm like veering a little to the left. Let me like analyze my stroke as I'm going to kind of course correct. I'm just doing it. I'm just being, I'm enjoying it. And, you know, it's like my body knows that those those grooves or that pathway is so deep in me. Um, so it's, it's much in the same way that I've in, like incorporated it, these kind of learnings and gifts from the school into myself. I'm, I'm sure that's not so helpful, you know, necessarily to people who are listening. It's just um, my truth of how I've incorporated it. Of course, of course. I think that everybody can relate to that on some level. Like when you mm -hmm. pick up a pencil, you just write. Yeah. Like you're like, oh, yeah, if I'm holding it funny, you know, I might try to readjust it or something. But Right, if you see you're getting ink on your hand or, you know, you have a leaky pen or something, you might be looking at it. Otherwise, you don't think about these things. Right, it just becomes the tool. Absolutely. And another another one of your the aspects of the work that you do is the um, the integrated Kabbalistic healing. Um, can you right. and you mentioned that you have um, the the Kabbalistic uh, Kabbalah is like the the spiritual kind of mystic side of of Judaism. Um, exactly. Can you can you tell us a little bit about um, what the integrated Kabbalistic healing is all about and what that work is? Sure. So uh, integrated Kabbalistic healing is a. a a modality of healing that was created by Jason Shulman, who um, is the founder of a Society of Souls. I had met Jason as a senior teacher in the Barbara Brennan School of Healing. Um, he taught a fabulous class called, ah, I might be getting this wrong, sorry, Jason, if I am, but it was something like, it's not the map, it's the territory. Mm. And I loved this class. It was like a brilliant class. And um, so Jason combines wisdom from the Kabbalah. And as you um, said so aptly, it's the mystical or, you know, branch of Judaism, um, along with some Buddhist principles and psychological principles and um, intuition uh, to use um, a central theme of the Kabbalah is the tree of life. And Jason formatted a type of um, modality, like an actual healing tool in a way to really listen to people um, and work with people as a healing modality. And a lot of it is based on um, non-duality, you know, which has tenets of 
Buddhism and also of, um, you know, of mystical Judaism. And of course, the rub there is we are in duality, right? We are one and we are completely separate as people and how to hold these, um, how to hold these states. It's really a lot about states of being. Um, and again, in terms of my own work, I don't separate my tools out. Like there are many other trainings I've done that I didn't mention to you because, you know, I, the, the, the central trainings of my life are really the integrated Kabbalistic school, um, my training as an herbalist, uh, the Barbara Brennan school and, um, my social work training, you know, and just my lifelong learning and reading. But there are many other tools that I have. I studied shamanism for a while. I studied the Bach flower remedies. Um, and I've taken many trainings and workshops, etc. And, you know, essentially they just all go in a toolkit. And I've learned again, to really trust myself of which tool is right for which person when. So, um, you know, sometimes people find me through the Barbara Brennan website and they really want what is known as um, a chelation, which is like the, the, the name of a Barbara Brennan healing. And I, I can and will offer that to somebody, but um, it's kind of limiting um, because, you know, like any of us, we learn a craft and then we make it our own. You have, there has to be that embodiment. Otherwise it's rote. We are so much more than the technique. We are the vehicle and that's, what's really important. Absolutely. And I, I think that that is, you know, kind of how you mentioned that there's some, some limitations. I mean, there's limitations to everything, you know, like I, I, I deeply, deeply love my Reiki practice, but I also know that it's not a magic bullet. You know, like I know that nutrition has to play a big part and people have to sit down and breathe and make space and meditate sometimes. And there's all kinds of different layers and different tools, like you said, that we, we have to kind of fold into our lives to, um, to correct different imbalances. So I, um, I like that you're not, not willing to parcel, parcel out one versus the other. Yeah, I've always had a hard time with that. Um, I, <laughs> I tend to find that people who come who need or want that either wind up relaxing with that and expanding to experience other tools that I have to offer, um, or, if, or they might seek out somebody. And I've had one or two cases where, you know, the person just sought out another practitioner and we were just weren't a good fit. Not everybody's a good fit and there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. And so how, um, Priya, how are you adapting your business to the pandemic and, and social distancing and what's going on with your private practice right now? Sure. So the great thing about energy work, and I you know this about Reiki, is you do not have to be in the same room with somebody. That's true. <laughs> And that's the lovely thing about energy. So all along in my private practice, which I've had for like 30 years now, I've always done long distance energy work. So for me, it was a, a really easy transition. Um, I do phone work. I don't do computer work. Um, although I'm looking at that once again, um, I find the computer is distracting to me. And it's, uh, I, I don't know why it's different. I couldn't tell you scientifically why it's different. It is very different for me to sit in front of a computer 
um, than sitting in front of a person. And I find that the connection is much clearer on the phone. Um, so my sessions are via phone and, um, you know, as they've always been. In fact, I have clients in other regions, you know, parts of the country that I've never met before. I might ask somebody to send a photo just so I can really make that connection with them. And of course, long distance sessions aren't right for everybody. There's certain things that, you know, people are coming to work with that you need the in-person and, you know, I'll be honest with somebody. Um, if, if that's the case, of course, it's hard at this point <laughs> because we are mainly all, you know, uh, doing telehealth at this point. Um, but it's something I'm very comfortable with and have been for years and years. Yeah. Yep. That makes a lot of sense. And I think that that is, you know, kind of the adaptability of what we have to do right now. And, and if that's, if that's what's worked for 30 years, it's not going to stop us now. <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so do you, do you have any, um, any upcoming events or anything that, that people should, should know about um, that's going on for you or, um, or how can, yes. how can people I, find you? Caroline. Um, at this point, I don't. I have taught in the past. Um, I've lectured in the past. I'm coming into my final year of my MSW, and um, I do. I will continue my private practice during it, but my time right now is uh, gearing toward my my final year of studies. That's great. So it's yeah. a lot of work. So you got to put that attention and put that time in. Absolutely. All worth it. It's been a, a, a fabulous journey. And I've learned yet another layer that I take with me. And so if people are curious uh, about your work, uh, how can how can they find you? Absolutely. So uh, you can find me on the web. Uh, my um my website is www.priazanderfox, P-R-I-Y-A-Z-A-N-D-E-R-F-O-X.com. I can also be reached by email with any questions. It's priazander.fox at gmail.com. Or you can reach me by phone at 413-218-9222. Um, I offer a free half an hour consultation, which of course at this time is only by a phone to just to have the conversation to see if we're a good fit for each other and if it's the right work. Um, and, um, and I offer hour long sessions. And when we're not in quarantine, I do that in my office downtown in Amherst. Fabulous. And we're coming to the top of the hour. Priya, do you have any last words of wisdom that you would like to throw into the universe? Oh, it's a tumultuous time out there um, with the pandemic, with the presidential elections, with the state of our country, with the social injustice and inequities. And if I could just say one thing, it is to take time to just be with yourself in a way that really connects you to you, whatever that is, it's different for people. It might be meditating. It might be having your morning tea with your feet on the grass. It might be singing <laughs> at the top of your lungs, whatever that is. It's, um, you know, we, we need everybody all hands on deck right now. <laughs> so, and we'll get through this and hopefully we'll do it in a way that really will promote our evolution and really rise, you know, 
our energy and raise everybody up together, which is what we need now. That's the hope, you know, that that's hopefully the way we're going. And I don't know, we can't go back. We can't go back. (laughs) We can do it. Well, thank you so much for coming on today's show. And I I really appreciate you making time um, to chat with us on Energy Matters. And um, if anyone who's just tuning in right now is curious about um, the rest of this episode, um, you can always go on to ReikiNorthampton.com backslash radio dash archives. Or if you're a podcast listener, you can go on to the Energy Matters podcast and find that anywhere you find your podcasts. You can subscribe to it on there and on the show and all the other episodes are up online as well. Um, so thanks again, Priya. I, I really, really value your um, all your wisdom that you are open to sharing with us. Thank you, Caroline. It's been a wonderful opportunity. I I so thank you. It's been so enjoyable talking with you this past hour. And you as well. And have a great weekend, everyone. And be well.